0: Hello and welcome to the Interrobank podcast. I'm your new host, Amy Simon. Thanks for being with me today and thanks for listening. Before we talk to our guest, let's quickly go and talk about some of the news you may have missed on our website this week. First off, yesterday marked history as the Canadian government designated September 30th National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. But about a week earlier, and in an opening event filled with emotion, gratitude, drumming, and prayers, the Nishwash Nangun Child Centre and Family Centre has opened its doors for First Nation, Métis, and Inuit Londoners. Located at 449 Hill Street and operated through the Southwestern Ontario Aboriginal Health Access Centre, Nishosh Nangun will be able to offer 88 infants, toddlers, and preschool children by mid-October a safe space through early Ontario programming to focus on culturally relevant education rooted in language and spirit. And in keeping with that focus of an Indigenous worldview, the center was designed by Indigenous firm Two Row Architect Incorporated to replicate the shape of a turtle in connection with all those people living on Turtle Island. And more news, Western is mandating in-person training on sexual violence, consent, and personal safety for all students in residence. The university will also bolster security on campus in response to the various reports of sexual assault on campus. Western's plans to extend this mandatory program to students across campus receiving training in consent, personal safety, bystander training, gender-based violence, and sexual assault. The program was developed in partnership with Western Center for Research and Education on violence against women and children. No timeline has been provided, though, for when students outside of residence will receive this training. But talking more about in-person, the 2021 Four City Film Festival is back and featuring in-person screenings. This year's festival includes a youth film festival and a stellar lineup of industry events, panels, and workshops. There will also be a question-and-answer period with film and music leaders. The festival will run from October 19th to the 30th and will screen movies with a Southwestern Ontario connection in theaters after being screened virtually last year. In a few weeks, everyone is invited to the Wolf Performance Hall and Arts Project to celebrate film and connect with one another. Now, let's get on with our guests for today. This week's show is a new segment we're calling Reporter Rants, where we talk to reporters here at the Bang and dive more into their day-to-day lives. This week, it's Jessica Gould and Kate Otterbein, who I've had the pleasure of working with for quite some time now. But during that time, we've had to report on some pretty shocking and tragic events. So today's episode is all about how we find ways to cope while reporting. Kate and Jess, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello. Hello, thanks for having us. So this week on Reporter Rants, which is a new segment that I'm introducing to the podcast, where I basically just talk with some reporters, either from Interabang or from The X, and we just talk about different things that have happened to us or ways we kind of navigate through journalism. It's a new thing we're trying out. This is the first episode, but to start it off, this is the first week of us working together again officially. Over the summer, we worked we worked with each other, which was really fun. But I wanted to talk with you guys about your process on coping. As journalists, we are kind of trained to, or we have to, cover a lot of tragic events because uh, it's part of our job description but people don't really understand the underlines of how we cope with that because we're all still people too. And I just kind of wanted to get your opinions on it. I mean, we can go talking about recent events, the sexual violence walkouts and protests at both Western and Fanshawe. I know, Jess, you covered them. You were there. Is there anything you can tell us about just your experience kind
1: of being immersed in those situations? Yeah, the energy was like really overwhelming there. There was a lot of sorrow like in the air because you know it's such a tragic event for people to gather together for but also there was like this feeling of power and hope because again of so many people that were there and just listening to the speakers um Tegan Elliott I interviewed her for a separate story one time and to hear her story about being a victim of sexual assault and just everyone kind of coming together And like you can hear people kind of like sniffling and everything because of how powerful the words are being spoken. And to just really take in how many people have been affected with the sexual assault.
0: Yeah, it's it's a lot too. even just being back at the station because I know you were out there and I'm just back like listening to it or putting it up for a show I was doing for in your backyard. And I'm listening to all these clips that you send back in. it's like, I can hear the distress in some people's voices. Of course it's a walkout and everyone's trying to show support, but sometimes you can't help, but really express those emotions or really hear them. It's It's just amazing what audio can do. And I can't even imagine being immersed in that and seeing it like with your own eyes, not just hearing it, how that affects you in the end. And, Did it affect you, like, when you were there? Did you notice yourself kind of...
1: Yeah, which is, like, really weird, right? Because you're like, oh, it's not really professional to put your personal stuff into your work. You know what I mean? But, Mm -hmm. of course, like, I'm a journalist, but I'm also a person, and I am a person who has faced uh, sexual assault. And so I kind of did, like, feel very, like, upset about what was happening and to, like, kind of, like, be put in that kind of environment. But I realized, like, oh... I really like journalism and I really like these kinds of stories to tell because I want to uplift these positivities among despair and a lot of bad things happen in the news that we cover, but to be there and to talk about making change and moving forward and being there for victims and believing victims, I think it's really beautiful. So it is very powerful overall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And going off what you said too in the beginning, talking about, you know, as journalists, you don't want to put your kind of personal feelings or emotions into anything you write, you want to be biased. You just want to write it for what it is, what you see. Like you're the eyes for the audience. But in that people forget sometimes, you know, sometimes we slip up and that happens, especially when it's things that really affect us and we it really resonates with us. So I guess kind of moving on, talking more about coping. So when you're faced with those situations where, yeah, you have to put, you know, I'm a journalist. I have to, I, I can't be biased. I have to write this story for the people. I just have to show them what it is. But it's like, I have all these emotions. Like, what do I do? How do I, how do I release them? Cause I can't hold them inside of me forever. I'm just, I'm going to explode. So what, what do you guys, or what have you learned? I mean, we've only been in journalism. It's crazy for just over a year now and like how much we've had to go through even over the summer. Like how have you guys felt from one year ago to today? How is coping kind of, how do you guys cope with those types of tragic events or things that just really resonate with you? How can you, have you found to release that energy?
2: When we came in here a year ago, I almost didn't expect, I didn't expect how heavy it was going to get so fast. It's kind of one of those things you're just like, almost naive to it. You don't think, oh, it'll ever get bad. Or, you know, we didn't think we'd have to cover like a terrorist attack in our first year. Mm -hmm. Right. And with that, like coping is kind of something that, I mean, we all kind of learned along the way. We took baby steps, kind of just leaned on each other for support, but I don't know. It's kind of, you kind of just have to separate yourself from your work and something that I started doing, like, even just for not only coping with work related stuff, but like just personal events in general, it's like journaling and just writing down your idea or your thoughts. And just like, no matter how messy it gets, it's getting it out of your head. And if it's something that you don't want to talk about, or don't feel comfortable talking about or whatever, it's a good way to get it out of your mind and onto paper. And as journalists too, we also have to try to detach yourself from the work. And so I obviously have a bunch of notifications that come on my phone for Twitter, but when all of that was going on, it was still kind of heavy. And like when we were off and not working, you don't really want to read that necessarily when that's Mm -hmm. all your day and work is based off of anyway. So I would use do not disturb a lot. And one of the things that I just found out iOS 15 on the iPhones has is you can set custom do not disturb for different things And one of them is for work. So you can allow certain notifications to come through, but then you can block like the Twitter notifications or you can block like the work chat or whatever that you don't want to see when you're off because it's just going to affect you negatively.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that part's even hard too. Like, so you can block, you're saying from the new iOS update, you can allow certain notifications to come through. So you can block Twitter and things like that. But for journalists, it's hard to even do that because like, I know for most stories I report on, like, I'm getting these ideas from Twitter and I'm getting them from different social media outlets. And it's hard to figure out, okay, well, wh- wh- what do I block? Like, I can, as a journalist, you have to think of different places you can get stories. I mean, that was the first thing that we were kind of taught was like, where can you find a story? Oh, everywhere. Oh, okay. And also like, you know, news, it never stops. So even finding time to cope in any way that we figure out has been a challenge. And going back to what you said, Kate, and going back to um, when we were all working together for the first time, when we were covering the Muslim uh, van attack, the terrorist attack in London back in June, beginning of June, I believe, like, that was a crazy experience altogether that didn't even hit me until, God, weeks after, like, until it left the media's eye, which is so upsetting to say, because something as serious as that, it's like, I was talking to so many people and it's like, you don't want to forget these tragic events. And of course we're not going to, but it's like the media can only circle around something for so long because it's all about, you know, staying relevant. And it's like all these, it's just so challenging. And I think that's also what the media gets a hate for, but talking about that van attack, what were you guys? Cause I know we were all doing different jobs, you know, you know, newscasting or reporting What were you guys doing the day that that kind of unhappened? Maybe we can use that as an example of a way that everything just kind of unfolded so quickly. I didn't even feel like I had time to cope until weeks after. So how did you guys feel?
1: So in our rotations, I was afternoon newscasts and I found out through that that there was going to be a vigil happening like the next day and everything. And I was like, oh yeah, for sure. Like I'll I'll do my, uh, I'll, I will record my newscast like a little bit earlier so I can go down to the vigil and get a story from that. That'd be cool. I love doing on location stuff. Didn't really think anything about it in terms of like treating it like an average story that I would cover. And I went down and I saw a group of girls making the green and purple ribbons. And of course, I'm just like, I'm looking for interviews and everything so I asked would any of them be interested in speaking with me for a short interview about the vigil and how's it going, what are the emotions, you know, uh, very open questions like that. And they were like, oh, you should talk to Hudassalam. So I was like, sure, of course, you know, because I can understand if they were too shy for an interview and they're like, oh, you should talk to her. She was Yamna's best friend. And... I I was like, of course. And I asked her if she would like to have an interview with me. And she was really happy. She's like, yes, of course. And my question very openly was, how did Sunday's event affect you? And she said Yamna was her best friend and she was out for a walk. She didn't know, but she saw the paramedics like trying to save Yamna and her mom. And she didn't realize like that that was her best friend and her best friend's mom. And that made me feel so. I, I don't know how to. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I was just say in the audio
0: that you brought back, I could hear you like choke up, like not even a, a choke, but a little bit of a stumble. Just like you were so taken back by what she had just said, because it just put everything in a new perspective. So that I remember hearing that, and it's like just hearing you stumble and choke just sent what she said like so much. Higher and to more of that personal level because it gave an outlook. Like, of course, these are real people, and of course, they had awful things happen to them, but it, it gets that personal connection. It's like the more you talk to these types of people, the more you understand who they were. And I think that's really important and unfortunately something that's lost in most forms of media. Cause you know, we have to report on news and the events and as they are, but it's like the effect that it's left and remembering these people, they're just as important in my opinion as the news that needs to come out about what happened. Knowing who they are just sends the tragedy and the event to like such a higher level. And yeah, I remember that audio that you brought in. I mean I was on reporting so I just I was even taken back. I'm like I oh my god I don't know how to do this. Like there were moments I'm like I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to (sighs) like I don't know it was so just jarring because it was like you know I mean the week before I think Kate you did a story about zombie pug and therapy pugs and it was just these these wholesome little things and it's like it, we're going on to a terrorist attack and like the advance of how it got from like you were saying Jess like oh someone's been like there's an accident that's reported now it's a terrorist attack it's like it, it happened within in such a short span of time it was just crazy to wrap your head around I I, I think I still don't even have my head wrapped around because it's
2: like well I remember the morning of I was on morning newscasting that morning and I woke up to you know log on to the computer and start
1: Mm -hmm. seeing what
2: happened overnight because I had went to bed fairly early the night before I had a text on my phone from mom she's like did you see the family that was hit by the car because at that point we hadn't we had no idea the severity of this situation Mm -hmm. like we knew a family was hit but it was still it was still breaking. It was still coming out. So I had read up on it. Um, and obviously that was kind of the lead of the story. Cause like all of a sudden out of nowhere, this family was hit by a car and yeah, it was so, it was so startling once you kind of read everything, every new detail, every single hour that morning had something new about that. And I don't think we found out until the afternoon when Jess was on the newscasting, that what like that it was a going to be ruled a terrorist attack and that it was a hate crime yeah yeah and I think I mean it's such a tragic event and obviously it's so horrible but I think it was important that we went through it as journalists because we just started to and there was something almost special about what we had to go through together in the summer because there was only like what five of us
0: yeah five of us (laughs)
2: Yeah. So like, we really had to kind of lean on each other for that support. Cause you can't, It's the one thing about being a journalist is hard. You can't really rely on everyday people because they don't necessarily understand what you're going through, but you can talk to, and like, we can lean on each other for these types of things, because we're all going through the same thing. We're all like reporting on the same stuff. And even if you work for You know, down the road, if we work for different companies, we're still going to be able to lean on each other for this stuff because it's big news and it's going to be relevant in all of our lives still. And that's the one thing like you kind of just really got to lean on each other for the support because it's so overwhelming almost when it's happening and you need to take that moment to decompress and process your thoughts and soak everything in that happened because In a way, you're almost just working on adrenaline. You're not even really realizing what's happening in front of you. You're just like, I gotta get this story out. We gotta whatever. And then afterwards you're like, oh my goodness, like what happened?
0: Yeah, you exactly. That's what I was gonna say too. Like you're just going off the adrenaline. It's like, this is breaking. We gotta get it out. Cause it's always that, you know, like Gina, the the program head used to say it's like it's either quality or timely you know like it's it's a battle to try to balance the both so you're right we're just running on adrenaline trying to get this out so when we take a step back afterwards when it, the breaking news for it is slowing down and they're getting verdicts and things like that that's when I really had time to process everything that just kind of unfolded I remember I was doing the x-files show which is a weekend show that that we all Got a chance to do, but I just decided to de- dedicate a big piece of it to Yumna, the girl who passed away in the in the van attack. And I ended up speaking with two Oak Ridge students. One, Malik, he was just an advocate for the school. He just wanted to speak his mind, and he just wanted to be that voice and that outlet for others. And he was getting input from his friends who were just a little bit nervous to go on. But then there was Miyad, and I come find out mid-interview that she was one of Yamna's oldest friends she was showing me like baby photos of them together that she had like ready just to show me through the camera and like all these photos and she was getting cracked up in and emotion and I was getting cracked up like I was getting emotional I'm like I I, I can't show this on camera you know I have to stay a professional I'm even getting like choked up right now thinking about it it's it's just, you talk to so many different people and you find these different angles and you uncover things about the story. Even if it's the same story, you find something that makes it hold a deeper meaning. Meaning, sorry. Like after talking to Malik and Miad, by the end of it, I felt personally like I knew Yamna or I've known her for years. I found out so much about her. I found out she loved art and there was murals that she painted in the schools and she just wanted to leave her mark. And I remember mead saying like, she's left her mark. She was a strong woman and she's not going to be forgotten her perseverance and her dedication to everything that she took on is going to live on and something I'm going to personally live and always work towards. And I just hope to make her proud one day. And that last line, it like, it said me. And that was the point where I need to learn how to cope with these emotions. Cause it was like, you were saying, Kate, you're just hyped up on the adrenaline and trying to get this out. Cause it a tragic time, but it was our first time really reporting on something so, so serious like that. So, by the end of it, I think I, like you're saying, having that support, and you know, it was the five of us as a team, but turning to one another and being like, guys, I'm not okay. And I'm like explaining and having that outlet to just talk. It's like, I didn't realize how important it was and how much I needed it in order to be able to cope. Um, I think we all joined in in a call one time, or it was the three of us, and we were all just like sobbing, or at least I was just like, I don't know. I, I, I felt like a bad journalist for feeling these emotions and that was only like a couple months ago and now like from June to September I realized that's not bad it lets me know I'm still human you know like I'm not a I'm not a robot but yeah trying to cope with all of those things it's it's so hard how did you guys like feel after that or when did all of that kind of kick in for you
1: I know Jim to me was like hey you might not feel it now, but if you do, like whether you do or not, like it's gonna come back. It's gonna hit you in waves, and I kind of just like, I kind of brushed that off. I'm just like, yeah, I've had like traumatic things happen. It's okay. Like it's a story. I'll, I'll, I'll move on to the next story, and you know, it'll, it'll fade. You know, and it, it wasn't fading, and it, it still hit me. I had the audio stuck in my head of how they described like the scene and everything is just like that stuck with me and that was really difficult to cope with. And like, you know, now that we're re talking about it, I'm just like, Oh, like it's still impactful. I I remember like being like to Kate, I'm like, do you want to go get ice cream or something? And just kind of have like a day to just like leave the work at home and just go out, enjoy a nice day in the summer and have some ice cream and just like talk about anything not related to what's happening in the news. And that that was like really well
2: needed. You you put it really well with the way it put like comes and waves thing. Because I felt the same in the sense like I was like, this is horrible. I shouldn't even be feeling these feelings. Mm-hmm. But it is a good thing to feel human, as you said, Amy. And it lets you know that you're still, still there. Cause like I feel like it's not good once you turn into a robot just producing the news. But going back to the it comes in waves thing, I went to an event an outdoor concert last weekend or not that long ago and to get there we passed oakridge and the mosque and where like we passed everything related to what had happened and i didn't really think of it i didn't i honestly did not know where oakridge was but i passed it and i was like what school is that and i looked and it was a sign i said to my dad i was like that's where yumna went to school and it's like even something as simple as that is like Oh my goodness. And it just, yeah, it was so close to where, where the terrorist attack had happened that like, it literally happened so close to home, probably for that. Like.
0: Mm-hmm. It was literally just right around the corner. I remember driving the streets the day of the, the vigil and everyone was lined up and down the streets with signs and I'm like following the path and they connected the school to the mosque, but then also to the memorial site where they had flowers and and different things like that it's like this is all literally right around the corner from each other and it's like you're saying it's it, it really does come in waves. And that's such a good way to put it. I still get emotional thinking about it. Like even just preparing for this talk today, I'm like rethinking all these emotions. And I like had to take a step back because I started to feel all of that again. And, and literally about, you know, two hours ago is when I realized those emotions are always going to be there. Like, yeah, we're going to have to cover some horrible, horrible things like that terrorist attack. And getting emotional today made me realize like I'm never going to forget anything that happened it's always going to stick with me in ways that like I didn't even think I'd get as emotional as I did today it's just absolutely crazy but honestly I don't think I would have been able to get through it if it wasn't for you guys and for Connor and for Angelique Jim Gina everybody like everyone was so on top of each other. We are all here for each other because we're all going through the same thing. And I think that made it so much easier to, I don't want to say vent, but just let those emotions go when you're surrounded by people who are experiencing the same exact emotions because of the same exact event. Because we were covering, you know, you guys were on newscasting, I was on reporting. We're still all covering and experiencing this together as you know, a group and we're all, you know, we're all in this together, but it's really true. I, I don't think I would have been able to get through it as well as I did if it wasn't for the support from you guys. And I think that's such a big thing for journalists to cope. Literally one year ago, we were just starting off as journalists and the amount of things we've covered in literally an entire year is absolutely crazy to me. And the fact that I'm still standing and I'm still going is also crazy. But I really, I would not have been able to get it without you guys. I'm not just saying that. You guys are like, I love you guys so much.
2: Bestie. I love you too. I love you guys too. And honestly, that's such a great way to put it. Like, this summer was so special to build our relationships. And even with Jim and Gina, having them for the first couple months of the summer to get us underway, I'm so glad that they were there to kind of support us through that as well. Because obviously, they have been in the industry for, years and they're like top of the top of the class kind of thing and jim was saying this is the worst thing that has ever happened in his career
1: Mm -hmm. and he
2: was they were both both jim and gina were great people to lean on for that because they've experienced similar things like not near to the caliber of this but they have experience dealing with these things and coping with these things and they were kind of able to to be there to lead us through this and they were always checking in on us to make sure that we were okay because even past grads from our program were sending Jim messages like how are your students doing because I can't even imagine coming out of first year and dealing with this.
0: Literally yes It. I was even getting messages from you know other second years that I talked to throughout the year like it was it was insane the amount of like yeah you're at Fanshawe and I'm gonna promote this a little bit because that's what we're talking about but That community aspect, as journalists, we're literally all in this together. We're all covering the same thing. It doesn't matter what year, you know, if we're in journalism school, what year you're graduating or how long you've been in the industry. Tragic events are tragic events. Everybody copes with it in different ways, but having that sense of community and like, yeah, you know, say like I work for CBC and you work for CTV, like we're still covering the same thing. Like we can still talk to each other. We don't have to be rivals. I think exactly. that like
1: Mike Stubbs said in like the first year, um, like you know when like events like this happening where like there's different like CTVs there, CVs, you know everyone's there, they're not your competition. Like okay, like understandably like the competition aspect, but like in them when you're there, you're you're able to talk and communicate and ask how each other is doing and everything, and that's really good. And I think that that's really healthy to like see these people. It's not competition, but as an extension of like the journalism community.
0: Yeah. That's such a good way to put it. Sorry, Kate, you go.
2: Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I don't even think there's really much of a rivalry here because like, sure to get it on, on air fastest, whatever. But the, I find is more just like a big kind of family because I have met a couple of the people in previous co-op placements who work at C, uh, CTV and I've talked to them and they were all just so nice you just when you talk to them they just want to see you succeed and that's the best part about us is like we go up to one of them if we're at us on on scene somewhere for whatever story we go up to them like hey we're from xfm news i don't know who to talk to can you help me out they will gladly point you in the proper direction of who's best to talk to they will like and you're exactly right jess mike said this he's like you stand with one of the one of the veterans and the you know, you go look for the person with the CTV mic, mic flash or CFPL or whatever, and they will stand there and they will say, okay, so this is the person, this is what they're doing. You never bug them, but this person with the clipboard, you can bug them to talk to them for an interview and they can just lay out the scene for you. I think that's so amazing because that's exactly the support you kind of need, especially when you're first coming into such an overwhelming industry.
0: Absolutely. Overwhelming is probably the one word I would use to describe starting off in journalism school alone, but you guys are so right. Like I didn't understand, you know, Mike would say that and it's like, oh, for some reason I didn't believe him as much as I would have liked to say I did when he first said it. Cause I'm like, well, I feel like there's always competition. You know, I see it in TV shows. I see it in movies. Like these people are all competing to be number one. Like that's, that's the goal. But it's like during those times, And talking about the the van attack again, it was like, oh, my God, he's literally right. These people are just taking us under their wing. They're making sure we're okay. The name tags kind of fade. The stations you're with kind of fade. At its core, we're all journalists. We're all reporting. We're all, you know, covering these events. I guess I just didn't really understand how much of a community there really is amongst journalists. Like, I knew there would be at Fanshawe. I mean, I heard about it forever. I mean, that's why I'm here. but. I didn't really understand long term and in journalism and career wise. It was just so cool to imagine, not imagine, sorry, see. Well, thanks you guys for coming on. This was so much fun to talk with again. Uh, Is there anything you guys want to add?
1: I think it's really important to access mental health counseling and facilities. We have a lot of those at Fanshawe and even external. So I think that's really important to, to keep in the back of your mind, like that there are, that there is access to help. Yeah, yeah absolutely you're taking care of yourself
0: for sure yeah and that's not just for like you know we were talking about journalism the whole time but that's just for everyone just coping in general is challenging you know reporters alone or just coping with any type of tragic thing you're going through so jess is absolutely right amy when are you gonna start recording
2: <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine you would have cried
0: <laughs> my face is sober look at my face compared to my hands.
2: <laughs>
1: oh god, the
2: sheer like. Oh my god! Fear.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> was a little joke. Oh my god. Okay. I love you. I love you. Bye. Have fun. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interebang podcast. You can catch up with every episode on Google Play, Apple Music, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe.